0: Good morning. It's Saturday morning. That means it's time for Michael Nesco's Renegade Rock here on the Rogue Radio Podcast Network. Every Saturday we got interviews and music. Well, the interviews are the first Saturday of every month. And uh, our December interview, we have a very special guest today. This guy's played with everybody. Robin Trower, Robert Plant, Uriah Heep, David Byron, Ken Hensley, you name it. All my heroes. Let's welcome Pete Thompson to renegade rock how you doing pete good morning
1: sir it's lovely to talk to you after all this time
0: i know it's very uh i mean i've really admired your playing and uh, we did hook hook up on a message a few years back we talked about your studio in texas but uh yeah i think that was as far as it
1: went yeah well i'm still here in texas and i'm still recording in my own studio which is more than fun it's um it's actually a life's work for me now, you know, because I, I, finished, I finished touring in 2013 after playing so many gigs around the world for 50 years. I mean, 50 years on the road is a long time. I know, you've been playing everywhere with everybody. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, I mean, my career has taken me all over the world, which is uh, uh, such a joy to look back on. And i get time to look back on it now because... That's great. At the time I was doing it, it was, um, it was work. You know, but, but um, and I never fully, and I, I didn't stop to smell the roses along a, a right. the way. Hey, we all do that. We all do that, my friend. That's, it's, uh, it's good now to sort of uh, you know reflect on it and uh, think, wow, that's uh, that's quite a lot, you know. And i have really surprised myself when I think of the things that I've managed to be able to do for this past year, and uh, lucky enough to have a career that. Um, has uh, put me in good stead for uh, future work.
0: Good for you. So we started off the the show with a tune off your new record called Last Man Standing. Why don't you tell us about that, Pete?
1: It's, I've always liked little feet. I've always liked swamp grooves. I've always liked um, feel. And I've liked feel grooves. And uh, I just picked up the guitar one day and started playing this. Almost a Keith Richard sort of, rhythm, you know. Rhythm. Another
0: drummer, guitar. Another drummer who's a frustrated guitar player.
1: I, yeah, I've been lucky enough to play <laughs> the majority of instruments on my album. It's, it's great because I picked up on. I, I shared rooms rooms with so many guitar players right. over the years that I used to pick up the guitars and noodle around. And, and I've always always been really a, a huge fan of guitar players. And, wow, uh, that's great. Yeah, the way they think and everything else. But luckily for me, the way I think is from a rhythmic point of view. Yes. And and being a drummer, I I try and bounce one guitar off of another and off of another and make the bass and drums sit in their own pocket and blah, blah, blah. And and, uh, I guess playing with all these great guitar players I've worked with, I seem to have, um, a lot of it's rubbed off. Now, are you singing on that track? I'm singing on, uh, yeah, pretty much. uh, Yeah, my albums, I sing on Great. Really good stuff, man. It's um. I was only talking to my wife this morning. And I said, yeah, it's really amazing. When I look back at the track, and it's all me on there, and it's not a band, it's not a so-and-so, a bunch of session players, and um, that makes me really happy. And I'm proud of what I do now as well. Good for you. So, Pete, what was,
0: what was I mean, you played with Robert Plant, Uriah Heap, Ken Hensley, uh, Trower. Who was the first drummer that you saw as a kid that, inspired you and said you said wow this is it this is
1: what i want to be doing well I, I i can say straight away buddy rich buddy rich very cool at the same time it ruined me for the rest of my life because <laughs> i was about I was about 10 years old and i was laying in bed and my mom came up to this she said you've got to come and see this drama play because she knew i was tapping around she knew i was mad on drums And ran down the stairs, and I was watching him play live in London. He was so fast back then. He was just an insane drum solo. And I sat under the table and watched him. I peered out from under the table and watched him on the black and white screen playing this incredible stuff. And I thought, well, that's now I know what I want to do. But, oh, God, he scared the hell out of me. (laughs) So in, in a funny sort of way, he inspired me and killed me at the same time. Well, that's the best way to do it, right? Yeah, and then the next drummer, the next drummer I sort of latched to in a huge way was one of my favourite bands when I was growing up was Deep Purple, and Ian Ian, Ian Pace was yes, was man, what a what a drummer, yes, he's one all time heroes, and and the, the guy was what I loved about his playing was he, everybody said you know he's a rock drummer, no, he was, he's a soul drummer, yes, he played with all the soul chops. In fact, when I got to tour with him with Deep Purple back in the early 70s, I used to sit and watch him on the side of the stage every night. I got to travel with him on planes. I got to carry his cymbals. And I was this little kid who was like going, tell me more, tell me more, blah, blah, blah. And it was Wow, it was just,
0: that's so fantastic, Pete. Well, wow.
1: I, I, drove him, I drove him nuts. You know, I drove him... Nuts. <laughs> I, just, I just watched him and I wanted to know how he did things and how he could play at that power with such light drumsticks and playing in this huge band. Plus, he's left-handed, right? And he's left-hand, left-handed, and he had all these chops that Buddy Rich had, you know, lovely jazz chops. Right, right. To throw in. And his solos were insane, but it was the greatest learning experience of my life. Did you ever uh, get into Joe Morello? Uh, yeah, I know Joe Morello's playing, yeah, but I, it's not one of the drummers I followed. You right, know? right, yeah. So what was the first band you were in? The very first band I was in, I was uh, 15, 16. It was a band called Quo Vadis. And um, I knew nothing about playing. Quo Vadis? No way, really? Yeah, it was a... You know, I I always felt I could play drums, but it was never a case of, like, everybody was better than me. Everybody in the world was better than me, so I always aspired to be better than I was. So it... um, so that always put me on a learning curve. I mean I could I could listen to someone once or twice and play it unless it was too damn difficult and I'm not the most technical drummer in the world because to me it was all about
0: no but you're a great you're the pocket man you're the thank you you're the pocket man I'm, I' I've seen you perform many times. Oh you have <laughs> Yes with, with Trower Oh good yes and our good buddy Davey on vocals. The most wonderful man. Yeah. In fact, the first time, I think, it was in 1985. It was right after No Time came out, and you guys were playing at the Stone, and we opened up for you, my band.
1: Oh, Cool.
0: Yeah, and I just, I mean, that was, uh I think, right, Davey had just joined the band then, right? Yeah, that was uh
1: 1986.
0: Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah, yeah.
1: We're old. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, you're as old as you are. It's, it's when the wheels start falling off and, you know, it brings it home to you. But uh, That's right. You've always got to have an open mind and a, and a clear mind and still have energy in your, in your mind to keep you, what they call, young. We're not young anymore, of course not, you know. But, uh,
0: so uh, was uh, your first uh, big artist, Trower, was that the, how did you get into Robin Trower's band?
1: Uh, well, the first big band I played in was a band called Silverhead back in 1971. Silverhead, right. I
0: was going to ask you about that, right? Yeah, that was,
1: that was about 71, 72. Um, we got to tour all over the world. In fact, um, the first arena I ever did, I mean, we, we joined the Deep Purple tour because we were on the same label. Wow. And uh, I went from playing clubs in England to playing... Arena shows with Deep Purple. Yeah, and then I started doing 10,000 seaters and 20,000 seaters. So what's it
0: like playing drums on the on the big stage like that when you're way in the back, super detached from the rest of the band?
1: The first thing you realize is I remember walking up backstage at the Kennedy Center in New York when my first gig with Silverhead in America and I had to walk up these steps behind the drum riser and I sat down behind me kit and I, I, and I couldn't Behind the closed curtains, I kept hearing his thump, 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 thump. And I thought, what the hell's that? And it was me just walking up the steps <laughs> behind my drum mics and the drum mics were picking it up. <laughs> and then the, the, I remember the curtains opened, and I started playing the drum intro to a song called Hello New York. And I, I never forgot the deafening noise that I was making before the band had even hit a note. my first experience of of playing in a stadium an arena wow and it was I never forgot it I was just terrified almost you know
0: so Um, so tell us tell us uh, I've played with uh, and and jammed with several people out of Robin's band uh, drummers singers bass players and the same thing comes out of every one of them you're not allowed to do anything out of the norm when you're playing with
1: Robin True or false? True. No, he, he he knows what he wants to hear. I mean, he sort of, uh, you know, I'd like to think he got he gets you in the band because you can do the job. That's the first thing. And secondly, you have to do the job consistently well, and you have to do the job the same every night. Um, so your own personal emotional tone in the songs um, are almost written in stone by four or five other drummers that came before you. He doesn't want you to break away from that too much because you know he he does what he does and it's all about, that's right. It's all about letting him have his space. So you, it's very hard to keep out the way and do your job at the same time. And also, sure, sure. Any any flair that you might have or any uh, musical input into the band uh, is, um, is put on hold. Really, so it's you, just you, you know, getting through the songs. So, do you still talk to Dave Bronze? Uh, yeah yes, speak to Dave a couple of times a year
0: Yeah. oh fantastic so this is Mike Onesco you're listening to Renegade Rock on the Rogue Radio Podcast Network we're talking to great English rock drummer Pete Thompson who's played with everybody Uriah Heep, Trower, Ken Hensley, Robert Plant we're going to go to another one of his songs called Too Close to the Sun and we'll be right back with Pete Thompson
2: It's good to the answer.
0: To renegade rock, Pete. That's a great song. Tell us about "Too Close to the Sun."
1: I was walking around the house one day, just playing the chord of E, and um, I dampened it down on the strings. And I was just walked around the house, going jump, 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 jump. And I just like the, I just like the, uh, the, the, uh, pulse of it. Right and uh the song built up from there i mean basically the the whole song is on one chord yeah but all the other all the other chords move around it and so does the melody but it's basically just one chord and uh, so i was really proud of it when it's finished i had rusty burns from a band called um oh dear you'll have to edit this bit um he's a rusty burns a phenomenal guitar player from texas and he came in and put put the um top line guitars on and played solo on it. Oof. damn, I'm gonna have to get down to Texas, oh yeah, well, you know <laughs> Texas is full of guitar players man yeah, everywhere, everywhere <laughs> you, you, you can't move for six string warriors,
0: <laughs> so Pete, how did you end up meeting Robert Plant and then did you just tour with him, or were you on a record, or
1: I was on an album called, called um Faith of nations uh, equal. wow that was
0: a big big record man
1: yeah and uh, yeah i was lucky enough to get a couple of platinums, a couple of golds and a few few things to hang on the wall which was nice uh, after all those years in the business um basically i got a call from the office and uh apparently i was on the short list and um, i turned up and tico torres uh from um Bon Jovi had been in the day before, and Phil Collins had been in the day before that, and Chris Blackwell, who was his drummer for about 10 years, was in for that. And they'd all been cutting tracks. And um, I, I did I set my little drum kit up and did an audition, and um, he asked me to come in the studio on Monday. So uh, we ended up recording eight tracks. Nice. Um, five tracks were actually used on the album, and some of the other tracks were used as know, so it was it was great, and then he offered me the gig in the band, and uh, unfortunately that fell through because they ended up with Michael Lee on the Colts, and Michael Michael took over the, the live touring stuff. Um, but uh, no, it was great fun. It was great to see how the other how the other half lived. Yes,
0: and what a singer, huh? Is he a co- cool guy?
1: He was very nice to me. Yeah,
0: that's very cool. So, who inspired you? you were your family? Where are you from in England?
1: A place called Essex in England, which is a place called Southend-on-Sea in Essex. Did your family play music? No, I was the only musician in the whole family. Wow, I can relate to that. <laughs> I don't know where it came from. I, I, never, I never knew where. Uh, my granddad used to play keyboards, and that was about the only musical person in the family. And so uh, I, I latched on to drums when I was about 11, and uh, I, couldn't, I didn't have my first drum kit until I was 15, 16. And then, what was your first drum kit? Oh, an old premier Olympic kit. Wow. What was a uh, kick snare hanging Tom and floor Tom? Uh, no floor Tom. One, one crash symbol, which was uh, an old, it was like a dustbin lid. No floor Tom. No floor Tom. No. And the, and the Tom song kept falling off the, uh, off the bass drum spur anyway. So, uh, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that was going back. And I just used to listen to everybody. I mean, there were so many great, great English drummers out at the time I was growing up and, you know, um, everybody had something different to offer. As I said, there was Ian Pace with his finesse and class. Um, there was John Bonham with his incessant pocket groove. Yes, and heaviness. And his heaviness, but his his intensity in playing the song is just—I mean—that rubbed off of me a lot.
0: I was always a big Ginger Baker freak.
1: I never was, and it until I become, saw
0: until I saw that movie <laughs> about him.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people saw that movie and went cold. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I did. I mean, I met Ginger a few times. I was in bands that supported him on tour. Anyway, he was in a band called Air Force. Oh and, yes, um, right, yes. It, yeah. it was very difficult to share the stage. Let's put it that way.
0: <laughs> well, that's funny. Um, yeah, I've I got to work with Ainsley Dunbar. He was a pretty cool guy. Uh, yeah. Another English famous drummer.
1: Well, there was Ainsley, and there was Mitch Mitchell. So I, yeah, Mitch Mitchell, yes. There was you know Keith Moon. There was all these drummers that all come from this great energy energy pot. That it was just it took the world by storm. I mean, all those English bands when I was growing up. That was great. I was
0: a I was just a teenager, and it impressed me. I mean, it, that as soon as I heard Cream. I was like, "This is it, man."
1: <laughs> I mean, I, when I, I bought Israeli gears, I mean, I just yeah, that's the record. You're right. I just wore it out, you know. It's just uh, at the same time, there was uh, Hendrix to come out with "Are oh, You Experienced," and yeah. that I actually bought two copies because I knew I was going to wear one of them out, you know. And it's just <laughs> well, the Who stuff and the thing, that songs by the Kings and songs by. Uh, Uh, the Small Faces and uh, just too many great bands I have to ask you I mean one of my all time favourite
0: bands and singers was Uriah Heep and David Byron and
1: David was fantastic
0: I mean he is so underappreciated as a rock to me he's like one of the greatest rock singers of all time
1: yeah he is I mean I remember when uh, I I bought uh, I bought the album Uriah Heep Live and uh it was, uh, and then about two weeks later, I got a call from the record company say we're doing an American tour. with Uriah I supporting them, so again it happened to me. What you know, one one of the tours was out with Deep Purple, my favorite drummer, and the next one was one of my favorite bands. Uriah Heap I and I always loved the boat. Wow, how cool! And uh, I got I got to sit and watch Lee Kerslake play every night, and we became good friends. And and me and David hit it off, and me and Ken hit it off. You know, and uh, they asked me to join the band and. I asked, uh, I said no, and because I was touring the States at the time of Silverhead and I was going to let those boys down. And, and not only that, um, I lo- loyalty plays a big part with me. And um, I said, if, if, if uh, Lee Kerslake, if you get rid of Lee Kerslake, ask me to join the band then. But please don't ask me to join the band now because he's still in the band and I couldn't deal with that. That's cool of you. That's no, just the way it is. I mean, it's loyalty.
0: Yeah, well, that's the way to be. Yeah. Because there is no loyalty anymore
1: in this music business. No, it's, it's intensely the you know, there's always something happening behind you in the scenes that you don't know about. You never know when you're going to, your next phone call, or you never know when somebody's out in the audience and they see you play and they want to introduce themselves and next thing you know, they're calling you up and saying you know come and play for us so what era of Uriah eye heap were you in um well the actual playing with a band i didn't never played with a band oh, but i okay. played i played with uh, david byron on his first solo album right and then ken hensley later right mick box, mick box was on that album so was ken hensley wow and, and uh, i ended up joining ken hensley's band for a couple of american tours and uh, i got to play all the guys in Uriah eye heap and um yeah, just great music and a great times.
0: Great times, great music, very, I mean, as a young teenager, rock, budding rock guy, I mean, Uriah Heap was magical. I, I saw them at Winterland right after the live record came out. It was like, man, <laughs> they had Gary Thane on bass. and uh, Yeah,
1: Gary Thane. I mean, that that lineup of the band. Was the classic lineup, yeah. They made a sound. They made us sound like a Panzer division coming out here. That's a good way to describe it. <laughs> it was just relentless. When those uh, they always had those great intros and those lovely harmonies, and then when the band kicked in, it was like holy crap.
0: So tell tell our Pete, tell our viewers what you're what you're up
1: to these days. Well, I've got my own recording studio here in Texas, and and what's it called? It's called Texas Central Productions. Okay. I sit here I sit here and I use the studio for me. Um, But um, I've actually uh, recorded and produced about 30 albums here from from bands around Texas.
0: Wow, that's great.
1: I've had people come in from England to record here and I've had people on the West Coast fly in and do videos here. Um, And it's great because I go into my studio every morning and the drums are always set up and mic up all the time and I've got my amps here and my guitars here. And I just sit and write, you know, because I've always wanted to be a songwriter.
0: Hey, that's the best thing—writing songs, man.
1: Yeah, and it's
0: uh, it's taken me a long time. Um, I just had Jeff Trot on this uh, uh, this month, uh, yeah. last month, and he wrote all those big hits for Cheryl Crow. Yeah, It's I mean, I mean, I would just die to have one hit song.
1: It's the door opener. It is. That's that's the thing. Well, I, I've been lucky enough because of COVID, I sat in my studio for basically two two years and, and and did 18 hour 15 to 18 hour days recording writing all the time nonstop. and i had it was really good because i had so many things that i didn't realize i needed to get out and i just kept writing and writing and writing so before i knew it in 2012 i did my first album and and then i carried on writing so i had two albums and then I carried on writing and I had three albums. And all those three albums are released and they're on uh, Bandcamp, Pete Thompson. And, and then I thought, well, okay, I've done three albums. I uh, recorded them, mixed them, played them, produced them. And I'm really happy with what I did. I'm really proud of what I did. I just couldn't stop writing. So now I've got two albums in the can ready to come out and my new one's ready for release. so. You got the fever, baby. I had, yeah, I certainly had the fever. I'm getting a bit tired of it now. Not so much tired of it, because I'm still sitting in my studio. But um,
0: <clears throat> Well, we're going to have to be playing your your new record on the show. So once you send me those uh, MP3s, we'll be featuring you all the time on Renegade Rock, my friend.
1: Hey, man, I'll send you a copy of the new
0: album. Great, thank you. Pete, it's been a good good time having you on the show. We're almost out of time. I want you to, to tell our listeners any up and coming musicians or drummers. Do you what are your words of wisdom to anybody that wants to get in the music business? Well,
1: you know, a lot a lot of people, and especially us older folk. Uh, we all say, oh, music's not what it used to be. Uh, there's, there's only this, all this pop crap coming up and there's all this. Yeah, we do say that. We, we do. Say, you know, we say that like, you know, there weren't any good old days. Well, for people and musicians now, these are the good old days. Yeah, exactly. And and you listen to, be- oh, man, I listen to so many new bands. And, yeah, you can hear where they have lifted or using uh some of the old tricks and, and formats and everything else. And that's all we did too, right? Well, this is their time now. You know, it's like we've had our time and its it's been great and, it, and it's great to look back on and it's nice to try and keep up with whatever's going on because believe me, there's some huge talents. It's amazing. It, it's a really amazing. Yeah, it's its, it's uh, you know, this as I said, this is their time now. But the thing, the
0: thing I miss about the old, our, our era is that just the creativity that was allowed everybody was just so different in their own way, you know? It was so cool.
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, those artists are still out there. You remember that these days, because albums aren't so readily available, what people's albums are are on downloads and, you know, just click a track and it's yours and blah, blah, blah. They're buying air. Yeah, they're buying air, but... um. This, I mean, you think there's 10,000 albums released a week all around the world, but you only ever get to hear of Joe Barnumas' new album or somebody's reissue or somebody's this and that, you know, classic rock albums, which there are so many, and they're all brilliant, but they were for their time. Yes. St- the fact that they still sound great is incredible because that's just how advanced they were back in those days. I, I, I used to listen to a band called Free with Paul Rogers and... um and Simon Kirk, and, oh, yes. and, and then Bad Company, and then Foreigner, and, and all that. You listen to their records, they still sound fantastic today. They are, they were, it still holds up. They were fantastic for their time.
0: And it was funny, I was interviewing Frank Marino, and he goes, Compare it to this, compare it to like people in the 40s and 50s listening to music from the 1900s. That's what it's like now. I mean, our music is still
1: popular 60 years later. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, just to, just to round off a point, the Beatles have just released a new track. I know. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, listen, Pete.
0: It was a great pleasure and honor to have you here on Renegade Rock. Loved hearing your stories and uh, wonderful talking to you. And we'll be featuring all your stuff
1: on the show all the time, my friend. That'll be great, buddy. I'll send you the I'll send you the stuff and it was. A great pleasure talking to everybody out there. Okay, thanks, Pete. Pete Thompson, everybody. See you, buddy.